Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Sunday morning in Judges chapter 16 verse 26 read there and then we're going to jump over to Acts 26 19 the Bible says Judges chapter 16 verse 26 and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand suffer me that I may feel the pillars that were upon the house standeth that I may lean upon them now the house was full of men and women and all the lords of the Philistines were there and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord. Hallelujah. He didn't call unto the pastor or to, I mean, we, we love our pastor, don't get me wrong, or to the friend, the in Spanish, if you speak Spanish, la comadre, el compadre. No, you know what I'm saying? He didn't, no, no, he called unto the Lord, all right? And said, Lord God, remember me. I pray thee, strengthen me, and pray, I pray thee only this once. Give me one more chance, he said, that I may be at once avenged to the Philistines for my two eyes. Now, Acts 26, 19. Here we find Paul speaking. He says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I want to speak on the title the heavenly vision. Put your Bible aside and let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in us, God, for you. Uh, Having moved in this place already, Lord God, we know that in the midst of the worship and the praise, God, in the midst of the offering, Lord, you were already working, God. You were already moving in our hearts and in our lives. Now we ask, Jesus, that as we prepare for your word, God, remove the mind, the the obstacles in our mind. Remove, God, the, the fear and the doubt and the confusion, God. Remove any distraction, God. Leave tomorrow for tomorrow, God. Right now, let us be present, God, that we may hear you, that we may receive this word, God, in the name of Jesus and we pray amen 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 the heavenly vision you may be seated studies have been extensive studies have been made throughout the years and uh, uh, and in what it takes for a person to survive terrible conditions and conditions that perhaps are uh, unlivable for many and um, they have studied through the different uh, catastrophes and the wars, uh, World War II when the Nazis had concentration camps and, you know, the Korean War and POWs and, you know, the Vietnam War POWs and, and even recently the, uh, the war on terror and everything happening over in the Middle East and something interesting came up as they started to study and, and figure out what, uh, what brought people forward through terrible conditions and terrible experiences. They looked at factors like uh, uh, health and vitality and, and, and things like your family structure. They looked at intelligence and the abilities to, to survive, that survival instinct. They looked through all of these things and finally the conclusion came that all of these factors were important but one was primarily responsible. They realized that the singular factor most significant was a vision, a vision of a better future, a hope for something better Tomorrow, It was a immovable conviction that uh, uh, survivors have had uh, of, 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 of a mission to complete and a purpose to fulfill, a destiny for their lives. Even prisoners of war, like in, I was saying in Vietnam and Korea and such, they reported similar instances, similar experiences. It was a convincing vision. It was a hope that would not let them die. It's a, of a future that was better than their present state. It was something that kept them through these traumatic experiences. And maybe our battle today is not physical. Maybe our, our war is not, is not as the experiences that were studied throughout the, the years. But, but I'm convinced that, 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 that our, our enemy has never tried to stop us from coming to church. Although sometimes it feels that way, right? You know, you're trying to get up. You're like, oh, this devil wants to keep me here, you know. And, and the car doesn't want to turn on. And gas is really expensive. And 
Right? Amen? Hallelujah. And it feels like that's the battle. But I, I'm, I'm convinced that the enemy is willing to, to let you come to church. Your enemy is willing to let you put on your nice tie and sing your nice song. Your, your enemy is willing to let you come and clap your hands for a little bit and, and go back. But the true battle, I believe, that the enemy is trying to wage is to try to convince you that there is no more. He's trying to convince you that this is as good as it gets. He's trying to convince you that when you come to church, that song, that's the best song you're ever going to play. Brother Watson, hallelujah. He's trying to convince you that that, that song was, the, that note, that was the highest note that you were going to sing, sister. He was trying to convince you that, that that level of ministry was the furthest that you were going to get, that there was nothing better than what you have today. And if you want to take away the motivation, you want to take away the drive of somebody, you first must convince them that there's nothing better that is to come. But John 14, 12, Jesus speaking, he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. If we break the scripture up, the first condition is you must believe. Brother, sister, sometimes we have, we have limits on our belief. We have conditions on our belief. We have pretexts and we have, we have a list of, of conditions. But brother, sister, the Bible says that first you must believe. You got to believe before you see it. You got to believe before you hear it. You got to believe before, hallelujah, you, 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 you see the conditions ripe and ready. You've got to be willing to believe. And I know that sounds elementary, but sometimes your enemy lulls you to sleep to make you believe to a certain point point see to a certain point sing to a certain point but then say well you know God can do these things but he can't do those things he can save these people but he can't save these people he can use this but he can't use me hallelujah the scripture is plain and he says that if you can believe on me again not on a man not on a system not in a government not in society because all of those things will grow and will fall and will come and will go but he says if you can believe in me if you can believe in him, what's going to happen? The works that he does shall you also do. What kind of works am I talking about? John 2, he turned the wine, sorry, the water into wine. And John 4, he healed the official in Capernaum. And John 5, he saved that lame man in Bethesda. And John 6, he fed 5,000 people. And John 6, he walked upon the waters. And John 9, oh, he healed the man that was blind from his birth what I'm talking about brother sister is that if you're willing to believe in Jesus you can see miraculous things if you're willing to believe that the best is not behind us but the best is in front of us if you're willing to believe that the greatest conferences that the greatest move of God is not behind us but is yet to come brother sister you can tap into the miraculous you can tap into the extraordinary you can see things you've not even imagined Oh, I'm here to wake somebody up. Oh, somebody that's been lulled to sleep by your enemy, made to believe that all the good things, all the powerful things, oh, all the anointing is left behind and in stories, oh, and in the history books. But brother, Jesus is speaking to you directly and saying, if you can believe, oh, if you can believe in him, you're going to see miracles. You're going to see signs and wonders. You're going to see anointing you've never seen before. You're going to see power poured out upon you and turn to your neighbor and say but wait there's more I know you've seen the meme tell somebody you well, wait there's more he says the things that I've done you shall do so everything that you read in the Bible every every miracle every powerful move all the acts of the church you're gonna tap into that but he says that's not it he says and greater works all this all to get somebody excited you have not seen the greatest move of God yet you have not touched the greatest anointing oh it's not been written all the power all the move all the glory that is to be poured out you're to be used by God but brother sister you must believe you must believe 
greater things. Look at somebody and say, greater things. Greater things. Oh, I rejoice for the testimony of my brother, but there's something greater coming. Oh, I rejoice for everything I read that Jesus did, but greater things are coming. Come on, church. I rejoice for everything that happened at Awaken in 2022. Oh, but 2023 is on the way. Oh, I rejoice for all the souls being baptized, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Bible says greater things, greater things, and it starts with you starting to believe. If you can believe it, if you can see it, hallelujah, it will come. If you believe that, clap your hands. Greater things. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. In other words, if you've got no vision for a better future, if you've not got no vision for a, a greater level in your ministry, if you've just sat down and you're comfortable and you say, Brother Daniel, I'm, I'm just, I'm all right. Let me be. Well, I got some news for you. That is the first place to perish. Because people outside of the church aren't the only ones perishing. People outside and far from God are not the only ones perishing. Uh, those are not the only ones on the way uh, to eternal condemnation. Brother, sister, let me dare tell you that comfortable people in church are also in that path. Oh, my goodness. I drove all the way from Oakland to tell you to wake you up. Brother, sister, when you're, be careful. Be careful when you feel too comfortable in church. Be careful when you feel too comfortable with the status quo. Be careful when you just want a, a normal, easy program. Be careful when you just want to walk in a bed of roses. Be careful. Why? Because where there is no vision, where there is no hope, where there is no goal to move forward, brother, we perish. We die. We're moving or we're dying. There is no in-between. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that once you get baptized in the name of Jesus, you receive the Holy Ghost, you get, you get connected to a life group or you do a little ministry, that, you know, that's it. We just got a straight flight to heaven. But, brother, every day you got to get up and you got to battle. Every day you got to get up and hope for more. Every day you got to get up and you got to believe that God still has got greater things to do. According to a publication called Psychology Today, this is the daily life of someone with no vision for the future. This is a publication. is not my words, okay? It says, when you don't have vision or hope, you see every effort to change your life as useless. You blame yourself. You could say that you've got no way to drive or to maneuver your life. You can't make friends and you can't get a job you accept that what happens to you is outside of your control and you become desperate when you have no vision and no hope you don't have energy nor motivation for any effort to change your situation what good is it to know new people if you're sure that you're going to be rejected why bother yourself with doing exercise or cleaning your house or volunteering you truly believe that it will not make a difference you know that you'll always be alone you know you'll always be depressed you know you'll always be anxious you know you'll always be unemployed you know you'll always be trapped in the same situation that makes you miserable and you choose not to risk yourself the pain of greater letdowns when you try these are not my words this is according to psychology today that's the life of a person with no hope a person with no vision Without a goal, without a vision, without a hope, the people perish. But I don't know about you, but I believe with all my heart, brother, sister, oh, that everything that I've seen up until now is just a warm-up. It's just a stretch. It's just a preparation. Oh, I rejoice with all the, all the praise reports and everything that God is doing in other churches and in other countries. And I rejoice with all, all the conferences and the miracles and the move. But I'm getting myself ready for everything that I'm going to see him do in my life. Everything that I'm going to see him do in my church and in my family Oh, I'm getting ready, brother, sister, with a level that I've never seen before, with a revelation I've never seen before, with an anointing I've never felt before. I'm getting ready uh, to praise God like I've never praised him before. Brother, sister, I'm here to tell you, greater is on its way. Get yourself ready because you ain't seen nothing yet.
Oh, we always sing, we always praise, we always dance, we always dress really nice. You know what this is? It's just dressed rehearsal. It's just getting ready because one day, oh, I'm going to be walking down Hallelujah Lane. Oh, at the intersection of praise the Lord on a golden street and seeing my creator face to face. And in that moment, I'm going to say, oh, for 35 years, I got myself ready. For 35 years, oh, it wasn't perfect, but I kept the heavenly vision in mind. I kept that vision in mind. Oh, and every time I got to the service, I closed my eyes and I imagined this beautiful place. And I praise God like it was my first day in heaven. Oh, we always talk about praise like it's your last day on earth. But what about the first day you get into heaven? Imagine that beautiful day when he says, come in, my faithful servant. Rejoice in the presence of your Lord. I'm talking about a heavenly vision. I'm not talking about things to end. I'm talking about one day, no pain. No sorrow, no tears, but rejoicing in the presence of your Lord. Come on, if you're excited for that day, clap your hands, rejoice, glorify him for just a moment. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, I get excited. Oh, because I know I'm just getting myself ready. Oh, I'm, I'm not wasting my time here. I always tell my youth, you like my car, you can have it because I ain't sticking around. You like my house, you can have it. I ain't sticking around. One day, I'm saying bye-bye to this world and I'm going to go see my king. I'm going to go see my creator. I'm going to see the one, the beloved one that poured out his blood on a cross. Oh, for someone that was not worthy, for someone that was imperfect. Oh, he loved me beyond what I deserve. So I read Paul's words, and he said, Oh, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. There's a heavenly vision for your life. You've got good plans, but then there's God's plan. You've got good intentions, but then there's God's vision for you. <laughs> Be careful not to rebel against what God has prepared for you. Sometimes we take our good intentions and replace God's will. Oh, man, I know. I know, young people, you wanted me to come and just be exciting, but, but I'm going to get in your kitchen a little bit here. Be careful that your good intentions and your good plans, oh, and your good ideas do not conflict with the heavenly vision, with the will of God for your life. Because your ways are good, his ways are perfect. Your thoughts are good, his, high, his thoughts are higher. It's important that we understand that there's a heavenly vision for us and that we will not be disobedient to it. There's a, there's a hope above hope. There's a, the scripture describes it. This is, it takes us beyond our past. Anybody got a past here? Anybody got a testimony here? It takes us beyond our, our doubts. Anybody had a doubt here? Anybody? Am I the only one I have doubts? It takes you beyond your anxiety. Anybody been anxious here? I don't know what it is. It's funny. When I was a teenager, I didn't hear nothing about anxiety. And now everybody got anxiety. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother, just get up here. You preach. And our humanism, our, our own thoughts, our pride. It goes beyond all of those things. There's a heavenly vision that will take us to the fullness of the glory of God. Oh, Paul thought he was doing the right thing. Understand this, young people. When he was, when he was persecuting the people of God, he didn't think he was doing what he was doing. He thought he was doing the right thing. According to his understanding, he was doing the right thing. According to his idea and his, his conclusions and his opinions. Oh, be careful with that. Be, according to all of what he knew. I mean, he's got two PhDs. What does the pastor know? He's got two. He's got all this experience. What do you know, preacher? According to all of that humanism and that pride and that understanding and knowledge and everything he'd acquired, he was doing the will of God. But he was in conflict 
with the call. He was in conflict with the heavenly vision. And it took an experience with God, a confrontation, a face-to-face -face, uh, a, a confrontation with God where God knocked him from his high horse, where he put him down and said, you're going against me. I remember the scripture in Spanish. I'll try to translate it. Dura cosa es dar cosas en contra el aguijón. Rough translation in English is, it is difficult to go against the, the, uh, what is it? The prick, right? Yes, the prick. Thank you. You know what that was for? The prick? It was used on a, on a yoke. And when the oxen tried to get a little wild, tried to go off course, there was a prick. Ah, oh, they'll put him back on course. And so when the Lord came and he said, you're going the wrong way and you're making it harder on yourself because you constantly going against the heavenly vision constantly going against what God wants to fulfill in your life you're going against the prick that is supposed to keep you on the path you ask yourself why is there so much conflict why am I unsettled why am I not at peace it's because you're going against the will of God Oh, but I wish somebody would receive the word as Paul did. And he was testifying. He said, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was going the right way. According to my understanding, I was in the right path. But I was going against the prick. I was going against the guide. I was not sitting and I was not going in the path. Oh, but King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Brother, sister, God wants you. God has a plan for you. There's a destiny. There's a purpose for you. But we must be willing to obey we must be willing to step into his path we're reading in Judges chapter 16 the story of Samson after doing so many powerful works and that he's brought here and he was anointed he was chosen he had done great things in God but he was careless was negligent with what God had given him. There's so many people with the anointing of God, with the call of God. They think people that did great things for God, but they're seated in the darkness of their negligence. You know where the enemy wants you? Sitting down. You know what? I'm just going to take it easy. It's the end of the year, Brother Ramos. Come on. We just had Thanksgiving. We got Christmas around the corner. Why are you yelling at me? Let me just coast for the rest of the year. Hallelujah. Your enemy does not rest. The battle does not end because you're on holiday. Every day is an opportunity for God to be manifested to somebody through you. I, I've said this here before. He is not going to call your friends. He's not going to send a Facebook message to your family, a WhatsApp to your relatives. He's not going to DM your, 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 your classmates. No, no, he's got you. You are the message. You are the testimony. You are his hands and his, his words and, and the feet. You are what he has. Samson was chosen. He did do great things, but he was negligent. And now he's seated in darkness, being, being, being mocked. The anointing and the call of God will never cover our negligence. We must be willing to pay a price. We must be willing to stand. We must be willing to bend our knees and pray. We must be willing to seek. We must be willing to search through the word. We must be willing to do something because it costs something. Revelation 3.11 says, Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Hold fast to, hold fast, it translates to retain. You know what retain means? To conserve something that you are supposed to return. Retain means to keep something you're supposed to get back. You ever let somebody borrow something? You tell you, you better take care of this. And when they give it to you, it's broken. And they're like, my kid grabbed it. My dog chewed it up. Or I, I forgot it. 
Wait, you ever let somebody borrow something and they keep it so long they forget it's yours? My best friend Arthur all the time. Let me borrow those shoes. No, because I'll never see them again. Or that sweater or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Well, the way the scripture is saying here is saying, retain what you have that no one can take your crown. Retain it, why? Because the eternity that's been placed inside of you, the divine calling, the divine anointing, that the destiny that's placed inside of you is not meant to stay there. It's not meant to be taken away. It's meant to be returned. My mind goes to when the master comes to the servants to be, see if they were fruitful and one hidden the others reproduced and it's important that we understand that the gifts that we're given the call that we're given the truth that is set inside of our hearts is not meant to just be hidden it's not meant to just be brought into the four walls of a church it's meant to be shared it's meant to be produced it's meant to be uh, uh, reproduced excuse me it's, it's meant to return to God it also means to conserve the memory of something learned perceived to be used when needed it's to say that we have to keep what has been trusted to us with diligence. We cannot be negligent or treat this truth with indifference or apathy. He's coming soon and he warns us, don't let anyone take your crown. Don't let anyone take your place. I'm here to tell everybody here, I don't care if it's your first time, if it's your hundredth time in church, your place is in heaven. Your place is not here. Your place is not in the world. Your place is not in wickedness. Your place is not, not in hell. Your place is in heaven. God's purpose, desire for you is to be in, this, in, in heaven. Hallelujah. Your place is with him. But he says, be careful. Be watchful. Take care of it. Don't be too comfortable. Why? Because it's possible to lose that crown. I returned to Samson. He was so confident. But he was careless. He was, he was powerfully anointed. He was powerfully used. But he was careless. And now we find him being led around by a child. The powerful warrior of God. Led by a child. Ephesians speaks and says, We henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. As I was reading through this, Seeing Samson, the powerful Samson, the anointed Samson, the one chosen from birth, now being led around by a child. Boom, the scripture came up. A person without vision is like led by a child. A person without a hope for tomorrow, a person without uh, 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 an understanding of what is to come. It's not led by God. It's not led by heavenly vision. It's not led by revelation. They're led by cunning. And... And every wind of doctrine and, 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 and lack of vision and cunning craftiness and lies that come to deceive brother and sister when we don't have a vision for the future when we don't have our eyes set on Jesus when we have no hope it's as a child comes and just takes you ever wonder why certain people are just always up and down always back and forth and you say you sit and you hear the same thing that I do you go to the same services that I do. You, you, we go to the same conferences, but this person's like this, like this, and then this person's just steady. It's because some, even with all the word in the world and all the music and all the anointing, they've lost the vision, and they're now led by deceit, by winds of doctrine and opinions and conclusions of man. And they're led, and, and even though they have the calling, even though they have the anointing, even though there's something powerful that can be done, they're blind. There's nobody here. Don't worry. Don't worry. There's the people that didn't come to church today. Don't start looking for who isn't here, brother. Come on. Like, I'm going to text them right now. But can I get verse 14, 15, excuse me? Uh, Ephesians 4, 15. So I was, I was, the Lord was connecting that for me. He says, like a child tossed to and fro and carried by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That's Ephesians 4, 14. But verse 15 says, but speaking the truth, when you have your eyes set on Jesus, when you have the heavenly vision, when you have 
hope for the future. It's truth that leads you. When you're blinded, when you can't see it, it's all the lies and the deceit and the falseness of this world that leads you. But on the other end, the other side of the coin, and somebody with eyes wide open, they speak the truth in love, may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. In other words, <laughs> when I have that heavenly vision, the truth that is Jesus, I go from someone taken to and fro by every childish thing in the spirit to become someone that grows in love and a vision that takes me towards the revelation of Jesus and everything that is possible through him. Brother, sister, let me tell you something. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is beyond reach. Nothing, hallelujah, is outside of the realm of possibilities when we can open our eyes and see Jesus in our lives. And so, give me about 15 more minutes. Okay, I'm coming to a close. I'm coming to it. And so we see Samson back when he's, he starts to pray. We see him. The enemy not only took what God had given, but stole his vision. And in verse 28, I know I'm, I'm bouncing around. Just, just stay with me. Thank you. Judges 16, 28. Judges 16, 28. And so Samson is being led by a child and... They stand him in the middle. He says, hey, look, let me, let me touch the, the pillars. And, and as he stood there, they were making fun of him. And your, your enemy enjoys when you're blind. Your, your enemy wants you right there. He wants you to not see the future. He wants you to be a shell of what you used to be. Your enemy wants you to not hope for the future and not have any, any hope for what you can do in God and everything that can be fulfilled in your life. He wants you there. The Bible says they made sport. Look at Samson. Look at him. Oh, this is the mighty man of God. This is the, uh, the one that terrorized us. When you're sitting on a pew doing nothing, brother, sister, I hate to tell you, that comfort is downfall. I'll move on. I'll move on. In verse 28. And then Samson called unto the Lord. Remember, he's not calling into anybody else. Brother, sister, I'm, I'm not calling you to come and to, to confess anything to me and to come and to ask me for anything. No, no, no. Everything of the message is to lead you to God, is to lead you to the only one that can lift us up and press us forward, the only one that can give us hope for a better future. He prayed unto the Lord, and he said, Lord God, remember me. I pray and strengthen me. I pray the only this once. Oh, I love that God is a God of not second chances, but third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth. I, I, maybe you've been perfect your whole life, but whew, I thank God that he's the God of chances. He's the God of chances. Hallelujah. And I got any good news for you. If you're here today, this can be the moment where you pray like Samson. You say, God, I don't know how I got to this place. God, I don't know how this all happened, but give me one more chance. Give me one more time, God. Pick me up one more time. I want to see your glory again. I want to see the power again. Flow, move for me one more time. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody who thought ministry was dead. Somebody who thought your calling was dead. Somebody who thought, hallelujah, that you're left and forgotten and God just pushed you to the side. Today you get another chance. Today you get another prayer. Oh, today you got to come up and say, God, it's me. Give me one more chance. Just this once. Just this once that I may be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And I would ask myself, why did he ask for vengeance for his eyes? He didn't ask, give me vengeance for my strength. That was what defined him. But he was strong. Or give me vengeance because they beat me. Or because they made fun of me. Or they enslaved me. He said, strengthen me this once that I may take vengeance of the Philistines for my two eyes. As we discovered in the, in, the, in the study at the open of this message, you can be in the most desperate situation. You can be in the most difficult times. But if you've got vision, if you've got hope, 
if you can see a beautiful future in God, you can press forward. We can be pressed on all areas. But if we have a vision, come on, we can be in defeat. You can be on the floor. You can be enslaved. But if you've got a vision, come on, you can be everything can seem to have finished and you've got no hope. But if you've got a vision, brother, sister, your, your, your sons and daughters and your siblings and your mother and father and your family member can be lost without God and without hope and so far that the world says that there is nothing left to do. But if you have a heavenly vision, oh, maybe you're so cold that you can't feel a, 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 a tiny move of the Spirit. You're so far, far gone that, that, that you can't even imagine a path back to the throne of grace. But brother, sister, if you can take hold of the heavenly vision, what is the vision? What is the heavenly vision? Oh, it's a hope that with God it's possible. With God. God, I can step forward. With God, I can have a tomorrow. My yesterday doesn't have to be my tomorrow. My present doesn't have to be my tomorrow. I don't have to be defined by my mistakes. I don't have to be defined by my failures. Oh, I can stand up today and I can say, God, one more chance. One more time, God, give me the vision. Let me see what you see. Let me see the way that you see. But your perspective is your reality. And, and this is the last one. 2 Kings 6, 6, 17. 2 Kings 6, 17, it says, And Elisha prayed, thank God for a man of God that prays, and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. He didn't say, Lord, give him a sword. He said, God, give him... A bazooka. Sometimes we're praying for the wrong things. We're after the wrong things. You want to karate chop the devil in the... You've got a God that's got all the victory. Lord, make them pay. Come on, come on. Get them, God. Come on. you got to pray for the right things. He says, open his eyes that he may see. And guess what happened? You got it? No. Yeah, you guys got it. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. I'm praying that God opens somebody's eyes today. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to pray that you sing better. I'm not going to pray that you preach better. I'm not going to pray that you get, wear, get a better tie. I don't know. Comb your hair better. I'm not going to pray for anything. My prayer today, the message today is God open their eyes. Let them see the way that you see. Let them see the host of angels. This is the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Up until this point in the story, this servant had been negative, pessimistic, unbelieving, and discouraged. You ever met somebody like that? Oh, man, that's too many amens. Maybe you all know the same person. Let's just say there's, there's one. There's just one. That's too, got me worried. According to his perspective, it was just defeat. According to his perspective, it's just like, we're, we're going to lose this. We're going to die. Could it be that the reason that you've perceived so many negative things is because you don't have heavenly vision? You've been too carnal in your life and at your work and in your family and all this. Brother, sister, we have to understand this goes into every area of our life. You cannot silo God. When you wake up, you need to make him a part of you. As you drive, you need to make him a part of you. As you go into work, you, everything, that you, your friendship, your conversations, your music, your social media, all of it. He's got to be in it all. He cannot be our spare tire. He cannot be the ugly little tire you have over there you forget you have until you need it. That cannot be God. He's got to be in everything. How are we going to grow, Brother Daniel? How are we going to rebuild? How are we going to uh, reach thousands? 
How are we going to grow our life groups and our ministries? How are we going to do all these things? Sometimes we're the most negative voice in the life of our pastor. He don't even battle with the devil anymore. He battles with us. He's going to watch this, so I'm sorry in advance, pastor. But sometimes it's not even the devil that's in battle with the vision with a heavenly vision for this church. Sometimes it's our own negativity and our pessimism and our lack of understanding of what God can do. Well, I don't think so. And I don't want to see it. I can't see it. It's not about what you can see. It's about what's possible in the hands of God. It's about the heavenly vision, not your vision. Brother, sister, we must align ourselves with heaven. We must align ourselves with God's plan. Who will go? Who will do? It must be us. I don't know why God is taking me in that direction, but I'm going to be obedient. Brother, sister, there is power and anointing and revival that God wants to pour out into this church, but we cannot be the obstacle. The devil cannot stop it. The demons cannot stop it. Oh, any sickness cannot stop it. Only you and me. It's the only thing that can stand in the way. Oh, but if we're willing to say, God, open my eyes. Let me see what you see. Let me see the host of angels. Let me see the glory that is to be poured out. Oh, thank God for an Elisha. Thank God for a man that will bend his knees. Oh, and instead of getting frustrated with the conversation of carnal things, he says, God, open their eyes. Oh, in the place they see death, let them see life. Where they see sickness, let them see healing. Where they see defeat, let there be victory. Where they see drought, let them see divine provision. Oh, where they see an armed enemy, let them see chariots of fire. Oh, First Church, I'm here to tell you, it's time to open your eyes. It's time to ask God, Lord, let me see what you see. And you know what's powerful? Before this prayer, he, he simply declared the truth. Elisha said, fear not, because greater are they that are with us than are with them. Sometimes you just got to speak it before you see it. Sometimes you just got to remember the prerequisite to doing everything Jesus did and then greater things. He said, you got to believe first. And part of that belief that you need to start to declare it, brother, sister, I know it seems hopeless. I know it seems like there's no way out. I know what it seems like, but you need to start to declare, fear not, for they that be with us are more. I don't see a way out, uh, but my God is greater. I don't see a way forward, but my God is greater. I don't see healing yet, uh, but my God is greater. I'm not alone. Uh, there's heaven at my disposition. There's a creating power on my side. There are chariots of fire surrounding me. I've got a heavenly vision. But check this out, and this is, this is the close, I promise. He said, open his eyes, open the eyes of the young man, and he saw. But let me make sure we're clear on what he saw. The Bible says, and he says this very clearly, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. So go to the scene. Just, just make, make it. You're in a house. And around the house, let's just imagine there's a valley, right? There's a mountain, there's a valley. In the valley is the enemy surrounding them. And when God opens his eyes on the mountain, their chariots of fire. But remember this God didn't remove the enemy. When I'm talking about a heavenly vision, that's not going to remove you from reality. You're not going to get to just skip over what you got to go through as a human being. The heavenly vision is to be able to see the enemy. I know what I'm going through. I know the price I've got to pay. I know everything that is awaiting me as I get out. But the heavenly vision allows me to see beyond my enemy. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to rewind that and make sure that we're, 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 because some of us come out of this and be like, okay, I'm never going to see the devil again. No, no, he's waiting for you. The enemy's going to wait for you right after this. Don't worry. The battle is waiting for you out there. The heavenly vision does not remove the enemy, but it helps you to see beyond your enemy. The problem, the reason that people get stuck is because they get focused on their enemy. They get focused on the difficulty and the trial and the sickness and all of those things that surround them. And that's, that's a problem for sure. But then Elisha says, that's not the whole picture. You're not seeing everything. Yes, the human struggle will remain. Yes, the anxiety you're going to go through. And yeah, you'll feel depressed sometimes and you'll have sickness. And we're going to live this life. We're human beings. We'll go through things. But the heavenly vision is going to allow you to go beyond those things. And when you're in the darkness, feeling that anxiety, that crippling anxiety, and that crippling sickness and the difficulty and the weight of your trial. In the spirit, you'll be able to open your eyes and say, yes, there's an enemy before me, but there's a greater God beyond it. There's heaven beyond this. You know why this world is just, I don't Whatever happens, happens. Some people, they just, they, they wake up in the morning and go, so what does the news say? And there's a, this is happening. Don't worry, bro. Sister, don't worry. You know why? Because we've got heavenly vision. Yeah, we're going to go through it. We're going to see it. It's going to happen. But on the other side, oh, there's streets of gold awaiting us. Come on. On the other side, there's no more tears. There's no more suffering it's all gone it's, it's just joy for an eternity and this life is no more the pain is no more the difficulty is sickness is no more Paul said I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision let us not be in conflict with God let us not be in conflict with everything he wants to fulfill in our lives. I'm here to tell you, brother, sister, that there is a heavenly vision for your life. For this church, for these ministries. As we go into close this year, let's remember the best things are not behind us. Oh, but the power and the glory is before us. Thank God for everything that he's done. Thank God for bringing us this far. Oh, but I can't wait until tomorrow. I can't wait for 2023. I can't wait for everything that he's going to do. And who knows, you know, maybe there's another pandemic coming. Maybe there's another, uh, I don't know, disaster, something like that. Maybe. But the vision that I have takes me to see beyond all of it. To see, yeah, 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 I'm going to go through. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fight and everything. But you know why I have peace? Because the Prince of Peace is on my side. You know why I got joy? Because oh, that fountain of joy is with me. Oh, you know why I have strength? Because He is my strength. Stand on your feet. I'm going to ask everybody to come to this altar, but I just want to read to you Jeremiah 29 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You know who's expected? Whose expectation? His expectation. There's a good, his are perfect. The Amplified Version says that I know the plans and thoughts I have. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a vision for your life. And if you're willing to step into that, why don't you come to this altar right now? Come on, run into this altar and say, Lord God, I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to be disobedient. I don't want to reject, God, the heavenly vision that you have for my life, Lord. I want to see it. I want to reach it, God. I want to go there, Father. Oh, Lord God, I'm gonna, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through things and I'm going to struggle and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be human still, God. But oh, the heavenly vision is what will keep me together. It's what will press me forward. It's what will... Help me to reach the end. 
Come on, let's say, lift up your hands right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it in the name. Maybe like Paul, we've we've been living according to our understanding. Maybe like Paul, we've been doing what we thought was right, but God is saying, hey, there's more. There's more, there's more, there's more to do. There's more to reach. There's more to see. And you're the one to do it. Come on, that's it, lift up your hands. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray over this church, God every man, every woman, every child, Lord Jesus. Oh, that your vision, God, that your call, that your anointing, Lord, can be poured out upon them, Lord Jesus. Let us not be distracted by this world. Let us not be distracted by the past, God. Oh, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you've moved and and everything, God, that you've fulfilled. But I know, God, that is not the end. That is not everything, God. I stand here reaching for more, God. I stand here reaching, Father, for everything that you've promised, for everything that you've said is possible in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come on that's it receive that strength right now receive that vision right now oh receive that call right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus yes yes That's it, that's it. You ain't seen nothing yet. You've not reached the fulfillment. The fullness is not there. Oh, there's still more. There's more to see. There's more to reach. Yes, God. Yes, God. In the name of Jesus, open their eyes, God. Let them see, God. Oh, let them believe, God. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, God. Yes, God. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.